Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc, and here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. And I'm very excited about today's show. Today's going to be a little different than we've done in a long time. Uh, The way the podcast series has played out, about 90% of the episodes have been me interviewing a guest that I'm very excited about sharing with you. And about about 10% 10 of the time, there have been people that have interviewed me because I've had some things I've wanted to share. But, But I haven't been interviewed in a long time. And part of that is because... I hadn't found the quote-unquote right person in a long time to interview me and really tune into me at the level that I wanted to be tuned into and to draw me out that way. And it had been a desire of mine for a long time. And uh, I'm excited to say that my dear friend Arne Allingham from South Africa has agreed to interview me. And so I'm very excited about that. Some of you might remember Arn from, I believe it's episode 49, where we did a delightful interview with Arn, who uh, brings forth uh, some wonderful beings, including a uh, very, very wise, loving being named Adamu, uh, who uh, I have developed a wonderful fondness for and has been very helpful for me in helping me keep my balance through the last few months through this crazy build-up to this uh, crazy election here in the United States. So without further ado, I'm going to turn the rest of the show until we close it out over to my dear friend Arne Allingham. So Arne, it's all yours. Thank you so much, David. Um, so, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time introducing Dr. David to you because, well, by now you know him. Um, and uh, I'm sure you all know he's, uh, his training is in chiropractic, and I'm sure he's a, a brilliant chiropractor, and I'm sure his uh, he's many uh, clients and patients are very happy with his work in that field. But it's really the, the, the broader person the broader spiritual entity that's, uh, that's invested here as Dr. David that we're going to be talking to today because it's his, um, it's his capacity to connect with his own heart, to connect with his own truth, to bring his own authentic light through uh, to shine in the world in whatever way is right for, for him that we really are interested in today. Um, some time now I've been, feeling some excitement about something that's happening, something that's happening upon the planet, that's happening uh, with us, through us, to all of us. I've been hearing some words of excitement, similar kinds of ideas, um, people getting visions and dreams and, and inspirations from beyond about something exciting happening. And um, that's been bubbling under the surface for me. Um, I haven't really known exactly what to do with that sense, but it's been bubbling under the surface for me. And then I, I, um, I, uh, as David himself mentioned, I was interviewed by him and also bubbling under the surface for me was this idea of, you know, this is an interesting man. I'm, I'm sure that he has much to say. I'm sure that it would be very interesting to interview him. And with all of that bubbling under the surface, I got an email from Dr. David saying, how would you like to interview me? So simpatico happened. It was time for us to, uh, to, to have a conversation. And what he wanted to talk about was something very exciting bubbling under the surface. So uh, it just seemed to me that, uh, that, that there was an, 
an invitation from from spirit from the beyond an invitation for us to engage for us to find some transcendent conversation and uh, so i'm very excited to be able to have that so let's begin right there david let's let's start with with that something exciting that thing that's that's uh, causing you a little frisson right now what's going on with you what's What's going on in your life that you feel that um, you really want to talk about right now? Well, I think a way to get at it is to take a step back to uh, give a little bit picture about the arc of my whole life. And uh, if I start rambling, feel free to interrupt me, but I think it's important. Um, I was born in 1956 in Los Angeles, California to two Western European agnostic intellectuals. And so I had no, you know, even though my parents loved me in the way that they could to be committed parents and to provide for me physically and to create a safe space for me to grow up in, they were not consciously on the spiritual path and they did not know anyone that, that was consciously on the spiritual path. I didn't know the word spiritual. I didn't know any, I wasn't exposed to anything about transformation. I wasn't exposed to anything about natural healing. I wasn't exposed to anything about uh, entrepreneurship, all the things that ended up being uh, some of the keynotes for my life, uh, I didn't choose to incarnate into a family where, um, where that came easy. Uh, I would say the only uh, real point of deep connection in that way was that my father was an excellent teacher and he loved to uh, take responsibility for thinking things through for himself. And I think those are the areas where we really connected. Um, I, I always had a gift as a teacher, and I loved to uh, use my mind, and I was always an independent thinker. And uh, I would say the closest to spirituality that there was in my home um, other than the commitment my parents had to each other, was this uh, commitment to teaching and sharing and to using one's own mind to ask questions until one got satisfying answers. But I would say other than that, I incarnated into a family where there was pretty much no agreement for who I was and for what my soul was all about. And I'm sure that was by design uh, so that I would develop certain strengths and certain um, compassions and certain ability to, and commitment to function without agreement. Uh, and as I went on in my life, that was very important because to make a long story short, I realized that as far as the, collective was concerned that I was quite a bit out of sync with the collective in the sense I would, the way I would put it is that for most of my life, I've uh, felt way ahead of my time in terms of uh, what energies and ideas the collective was open to. And uh, one of my big challenges in life has, has been to deal with that and uh, not go into judgment about the collective or about myself, uh, which I did do very much as a, uh, as a young person. And I've done a lot of forgiveness around that and developed some wisdom to understand how that was all part of a bigger picture. But uh, to make a long story short, um, I, at, at, at at my heart, I'm, I'm a teacher, a light worker, a healer, a speaker, a writer. Uh, I'm able to take uh, energy. I'm able to tap into 
multidimensional energies and to translate them into energies and actions and words that seem to build a bridge to something that's going on in this time-space coordinate. And what's so exciting to me, Arn, is that this feeling of being kind of a stranger in a strange land, this feeling of being out of phase with the collective that I'm here to serve and kind of a loneliness that goes along with that kind of an existential angst um, is just something that it's kind of been my cross to bear. It's just kind of been part of the package. And the what I'm so excited about is that I really feel that with the new energies in the solar system, the new grid system, the activated grid system, the, the timing of Mother Earth's own uh, initiations and developments, that all of these things, all, there's a confluence of things coming together such that the consciousness and the energies and the vibratory rate and the possibilities on planet Earth are now such that uh, even though I'm still on the vanguard of things, I don't feel so out of phase. And I feel like, not that I haven't grown or changed in 30 or 40 years, but I've had the blessing and the curse of knowing who I am at a pretty deep level in this life from a young age. So my basic fundamental tone hasn't changed very much and yet a lot of the things that i was talking about 30 40 years ago where people thought i was just crazy uh now people think i'm really a tuned in guy so something is happening to the point where first of all on an internal level i'm feeling more comfortable in a physical body here on planet earth even though there's a lot of physical challenges right now in terms of toxins and pollutants, but on a deeper level, energetically, I'm feeling more comfortable and that feels good and feeling more welcome as a citizen of this planet. Um, but also another thing I'm excited about is that the, the, the increase in, in rise in consciousness and in technological capacities are coming together in such a way that um, I, I, going back to the big picture and my reason for incarnating and my mission, you know, I'm a person that uh, on one hand, I, I'm very um, compassionate, loving, uh, heart-centered guy, but also I'm very mission-driven very mission driven and I'm very much on a mission here in this life. And so there's that feeling of um, that this time we're going to succeed. Um, you know, so many lifetimes um, the timing wasn't quite right and things didn't um, go so well on a certain level. You know, if you go back to Atlantean times or you go back to the, the devolution of the from the heights of the Egyptian period and things starting to break down there. There, you know, there's been a lot of disappointments at that level. Although a lot of seeds were planted and a lot of good things were done, uh, this feels like a, kind of a new spirituality where not only seeds are going to be planted and a groundwork is going to be laid, but I have the feeling that this is the time where there's actually going to be a glorious manifestation all the way down to the physical world so that the transformation that I have stood for for so long has a real opportunity to be substantiated in a new way. And that's very exciting. And then the other thing that's really exciting is that the my gifts and talents and strengths, uh, which I've had for a long time and have continued to consciously cultivate in this life, in the area of speaking, writing, 
teaching, um, uh, organization, leadership, um, intuitive development. It seems like I'll be able to bring all these things to bear now into a society that uh, is more willing to appreciate and make use of these gifts um, in a way that is empowering for myself and for the collective and is physically safe for me and my family. And so it just feels like so many things are coming together like, like this is what I came for or like this is the main event. And um, I know that's a long answer, but I felt I had to go back in time to create a context so that the answer would be powerful and meaningful. I think it's a great answer. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And there's, I've been uh, picking little pearls out of it as you go. And there are a few things I'd like to, to, to highlight and comment upon and, and perhaps we can, we can uh, delve and discuss. You, you say um, you have the feeling that this time we are going to succeed. And um, what comes up for me is, is that um, my understanding, uh, particularly from Adamu, now I'm, I'm going to venture a little bit into, into kind of metaphysical terrain, which might feel a little quirky to some people, but bear with me, um, that, of course, planet Earth is not the only inhabited planet upon in, 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 this, in this universe. And, and um, from our very limited perspective, we, we already understand that, that our universe is billions of years old. So if there are many planetary cultures and, and they've had billions of years, they are going to have, there's going to have been a, a, a lot of scope for spiritual advancement um, all across uh, the galaxy and the universe. Now, what, the way I understand it is that um, there has been a normal model um, for the ascension of consciousness upon planets throughout this universe. And it's, it's called the harvest model. And according to the harvest model, what happens is there, there's a cyclical um, uh, upliftment. Um, there's the particular times that have, are preordained in the, the growth, the evolution of each galaxy. And, and as each planet reaches that preordained nexus in space and time, there is a harvest. Those beings from that planet who have reached a certain level of consciousness, a certain threshold, are uplifted and removed from that planetary culture. And they go somewhere else, which is more resonant with their own uh, vibratory frequency. And that this is, ha this is what's been going on for, uh, well, for billions of years, really. But there's a a mathematical problem in this. If you're going to just keep taking the, 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 those that have reached a certain level of consciousness, you're going to keep taking them off of a planet. You're going to start running out of people. The pool of souls is going to get too small eventually uh, to sustain a, a, a planetary civilization. You've got to do something with the remainder souls. They've got to go somewhere. And so what's been happening is they've been collecting remainder souls and might seem a bit odd, but planet Earth has been the collection base for this galaxy. So we've got a whole lot of souls from all over the galaxy, and they're all here, and all of them have this feeling somewhere deep in their souls, or those of them have been remainded from elsewhere, have this feeling somewhere deep in their souls of, of, of um, failure, of being left over, of not being good enough, of, of uh, there's something wrong with me, um, I, I'm being left behind. There's a, a profound amount of deep hurt and we've, we haven't succeeded, we haven't got it right. And the plan, as I understand it, on planet Earth is to do it completely differently this time, to, to have a, um, an in-situ ascension where we're going to uplift the entire planet and everybody is going to have um, an ascension together, which is really one way of doing it that we get to this, this, this feeling of this time we have all succeeded. This time we have all got it right. So this is the, the arcane metaphysical information that I get 
and, and when you say, this time we're going to succeed, that's what I feel coming up inside of me. What do you think about that? Does, is that somehow in alignment with, with what you're getting and what you're feeling? To some extent, there's a certain part of that that resonates with me and a certain part that doesn't. The, the part that resonates with me is that part of what makes the new spirituality new is that we're not going up and out of our bodies. We're coming into our bodies. We're coming into, we're substantiating we're, our spirituality to include physicality. Yeah. And, and to me, the idea of a Christed being is a being that is a living bridge uh, between among the dimensions, a living bridge between what we would normally think of as heaven and what we would normally think of as earth in both directions to the point where that distinction starts to collapse and there's a more profound realization of unity. So in that sense, I agree with you that this experiment that's going on here where we can stay in a physical form and, um, and uh, achieve very high levels of uh, self-realization and actualization I agree with that part of it. Where I disagree is this idea that every human being on the planet is going to ascend. I don't agree with that. I don't think that that's true. I think it, it doesn't go along with my understanding of free will, and um, that doesn't make sense to me. I still think, you know, God's house is a house of many mansions, and there is still a free will element and everyone is going to grow at their own rate and their own willingness and their own readiness and their own soul's uh, blueprint. And so I don't see it as some kind of utopian situation where um, every human being uh, simultaneously has some quantum leap uh, regardless of um, their particular soul or their particular free will choices. That seems a little sophomoric to me. I still think that there will be um, places, if that's a good word, uh, and spaces for souls to be in that, uh, that honor their free will choices and are appropriate to their particular level of development. So, that's the area that I disagree with you on, but I do feel, having said that, I do feel that there will be a significant percentage of people currently on planet Earth that will have a quantum leap, but I think there will be many people that won't be willing or able to integrate the new frequencies and will be dying. Uh, from our point of view, and I think there will be other beings that simply won't resonate with, with where the earth is going, so to speak. So that part didn't resonate with me. Paradoxically, I agree with you completely. <laughs> and while this isn't really about, about what I get in my information, um, uh, what I would like to add is that... Um, it's a matter of perspective that causes paradoxes, paradoxes, is that the plural of paradox, paradoxes, to arise. Um, uh, from, from our perspective, from the perspective of the observer that is ascending their consciousness, everybody will ascend their consciousness. But there are other perspectives. So everybody's free will is maintained. But I, 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 as I say, I don't really want to get into my ideas and my theology because it's not really what this is about. What I'd like to hear more about is um, what it is that you think we should or could, if anything, be doing to um, assist this process. What should we be looking at? What, what areas should we be focusing on to participate in this more um, consciously, more actively? Well, I think first of all is for people to open their minds and their hearts to the ideas and the possibilities that we're talking about right now, because if you don't do that, it's a lot harder to tap into what is happening. So I would say 
that's a big thing. And there's so many things, but I would just, you know, thinking out loud here, I would say one of the things that's very important is to develop a sense of who you are beyond the thought stream that is going on in your awareness, in your consciousness. Many people live as if they were their thoughts. And that is a dead end because the thoughts that you are focusing on are a are correlated with what you're being already. But if you don't know what you're being already, you can't shift what you're being. And so if you're just playing around in this sandbox of thoughts, uh, identifying with them, avoiding them, fighting them, indulging them, you're going to get lost and you are lost. And so um, every person I know who has a certain level of self-realization, one way or the other, has discovered a way to be and a space to be and a place to be that is more permanent than the coming and going of uh, thoughts and what we normally would consider emotions or memories or fantasies or sensations or attitudes. And so I think one of the most powerful things you can do is to open up to the possibility and then begin to practice um, being aware of yourself beyond the thought stream. And so the simplest way to do that is a technique that I learned from a spiritual teacher named Bentinho Massaro. And what he recommends is at least 12 times a day, taking two to five seconds and having the intention to let go of all thinking and all thoughts. And what you do is you take a slow, deep breath through your nose and then you hold it for a split second, and then you open your mouth and open your throat, and you completely let the air go out. And as you let the air go out, where your intention is or your willingness is, is as the air is going out of your body, you are willing and you are allowing yourself to let go of any thinking and all thought. And he recommends doing that a minimum of 12 times a day. And what I've discovered is that if you give that particular discipline to a person who sincerely will practice it, that within about 30 days, their relationship to the thought stream has undergone a significant shift. And as we disidentify with the thought stream, we become aware of ourselves as a presence, as a living presence that is independent of whether uh, we're having, we're aware of a thought or not. And so then the thinking becomes more optional and can become more uh, functional and purposeful. So that is a, um, those are some things I would highly suggest from a spiritual and metaphysical point of view. Um, and then I like it. I like it a lot. Um, f- from from my perspective, what I understand what you're talking about here is there is the there is the ego mind, which is constructed. It's, it's it's what we are creating. Yes. But we're so prone to confusing ourselves and thinking that we are the ego mind, and what you're elucidating here, uh, Bentino's uh, exercise is a wonderful way to remind you that you are not your mind because if your mind goes still, you don't go still. You continue to exist. You continue to create this mind space. And for me, this is really crucial to correctly identify yourself with the eternal immortal being that you really are, the creator of this mind space. It's a little bit like the light going on, the light of, of, of consciousness, of true awareness of what you are. And yes. it seems to me that this is a, a crucial thing that these little pinpricks of light that we really are all over the planet going on is what's really awakening 
planetary consciousness. We are, by awakening ourselves to who we really are, we're awakening planetary consciousness. Absolutely. And there are stages to this realization. So as one begins to let go of one's attachment to the thought stream, the first thing that happens is you become aware of yourself as this presence. You sense this presence that is independent of that ego mind thought stream. And then what starts happening is you become aware that you are aware of that, Indeed, yes. of that presence as well. And then you go to an even more rarefied, it's not that one is better than the other, they're all beautiful, but to have the fluidity is really nice. And then you become aware that you are awareness, aware of presence. You're not only aware of these thoughts, you're not only aware of circumstances, but you're also aware of presence. And then you get to a point where you're also aware of awareness itself. And at that point, you get to the point where your ability to conceptualize and use the English language has gone about as far as you can go. And then at that point, if you want to open more to the infinite, you must let go of even these linguistic constructions. But this exercise will get you started in that direction. And it's very, very doable. It's easy. It's free. It's powerful. So um, from a spiritual metaphysical angle, I would say that's probably the most accessible and easy um, discipline that I would recommend for people to um, help them through these times and to just with their, with their spiritual realization in general. And then, you know, we can talk for hours about um, what we can do for the physical body, what we can do for our relationships, what we can do for how we manage our mind, for how we manage our relationships, our, uh, our finances, our decisions about uh, things that we purchase, about the way we... Uh, uh, the kind of music we expose ourselves to, the kind of art, um, the fundamental structures of agreements for relationships. I mean, there's a whole, as consciousness shifts to a new level, there are going to naturally be new substances and structures and processes that will arise, um, kind of like the mythical phoenix, as the old structures that were correlated with the old energies and the old systems and the old substances no longer work. And that is what is happening. And if you can understand that that is what is happening and you can have a sense of identity that is not attached to that which is breaking down, you can move with uh, the natural motion of how spirit is working here in you, through you, and as you, and in and through and as planet Earth right now in a way where you can not only survive, but you can really thrive. And so, you know, we can spend hours going, diving deep into any of those things, but I will leave it to you to, um, to direct this, this conversation. So, uh, well, wh wh where I'd like to go uh, really is, is, is just a quick comment. Um, from my perspective, um, when we're invested uh, in the ego mind, when we are believing we are the ego mind, then things are terribly, terribly complex because then we're looking for uh, mindful understanding about everything. We need things explained to us. We need experts to explain things to us. And there are never enough experts because we never understand a thing to its true core. And it's all just terribly complex. In every direction you look, there is just this, I don't know, what should I do kind of a response. But when we do, as, as uh, you are recommending, when we re-identify ourselves, uh, this immortal divine spirit essence, then things, to, 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 to my mind, start to become really altogether more simple because there is simply, 
that which is right for me and that which is not right for me. There is that which resonates, that which uh, causes an opening, uh, an expanding of, 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 of my presence, that which brings me more present. So that to which I have a yes response. And then there is other stuff that starts to feel outmoded or no longer suitable or perhaps even toxic. And I move away from that stuff. So it, it becomes a lot easier for me. And where previously the me that I was uh, a few years ago, where I was very ego identified, very invested in, in my mind stuff, that self would have contemplated the changes that are happening now with some real trepidation. You know, what's going to happen what, what, if, the, if, if the financial world and the political world and these things that I have some vague understanding, if those things change or collapse or, or pass away, and I don't know what's coming or what's next, well, how do I maintain control? How do I keep myself safe? Where do I, you know, invest money? What insurance policies do I buy? Because all of this is just, just seems like it's shifting sands. A very, very scary proposition for the person who is completely ego mind invested. However, if I step out of that and I step into the part of me that just knows, the soul connected part of me, the part of me that reaches beyond my mind, that reaches beyond all the programming and training and all of that stuff, and I just go to my deepest knowing, then there is for me absolutely no cause for fear. Then the transition is timely and necessary and co-created and everybody that's involved in it has, has contracted for it. And, and this is exactly what we're all here for. And it's all perfect. And it's going to play out in perfect divine right order. So for me, it's more than just um, playing your role in it. It's, it's uh, engaging this transition is what actually allows me to let go of the old and embrace the new. What do you think? I agree with everything that you're saying. I, I think you're, you're right on there. Uh, I think one thing I might add to what you're saying is that there are certain natural abilities that most people have lost touch with that we need to recover in order to be able to live like that. And the exercise I gave before will help that. And I also think that there are other things we can do. For example, for various reasons, especially here in the United States, uh, human beings are very conditioned to not be very tuned into their emotional body and to not be very tuned into their physical body on an energetic level. And also, so that those abilities need to be rehabilitated. The, the natural capacity that human beings have to this incredible gift that we have here on planet Earth and with humanity, the capacity for the heart and for compassion and for deep feeling um, is something most Americans at least are cut off from. And the ability to sense the body energetically is also a natural ability that many people are cut off from. And then also uh, on a spiritual level, so many people have so many wounds and disappointments and hurts and confusions and betrayals that they've lost their connection to their own joy and to that which resonates with their joy. So the only thing I would add to what you're saying, Arne, is that from my own personal experience, my ability to do what you're suggesting is very much correlated with the degree to which I am willing and able to be present with and honor my feeling nature, the extent to which I'm willing and able to be present with who I am energetically and where my energy is naturally wanting to go, and also my capacity and my willingness to resonate with my joy and to have the courage to move with that. So I would say those are some fundamental skills that need to be rehabilitated 
in mass for people to be able to do that. And then there, within that framework, there's some skill sets that are vital for being able to thrive in a, um, in a higher density, higher dimensional realm. And the ability to focus, the ability to say yes to what you want to say yes to, the ability to say no to what is inappropriate without closing down your heart, um, the ability to be discerning, and as we let go of judgment, to be able to guide our life through discernment, um, to let go of the perfectionism that goes along with that fear you were talking about, and to shift that into a commitment to joyous excellence on the journey, um, the ability to know something from the inside out from its qualitative center rather than the way the ego would try to know something by comparing and contrasting differences and apparent boundaries. So there's lots of skills and abilities that I think make possible what you're saying. You, you touch on a number of really, really interesting um, uh, subsets of, of, of uh, this whole kind of movement of energy. And, and, and something I'd like to ask you about, something I'm, I'm really curious about your opinion. You, you speak about reawakening your connection to your emotions and feelings. Uh, something I see a lot of is um, people actually fear their own feelings. They fear their own emotions. Uh, we've been taught that it's dysfunctional, for example, to feel bad, to have negative emotions, to be sad. Uh, we live in a very medicated society where if you're feeling sufficiently sad for sufficiently long, um, those emotions become anesthetized and you're then unable to process them. But I, at the same time, I have deep compassion, deep empathy for people who are stuck in these kind of depressive states because we're also not told or taught how, how to process our way through these things. Now, so, I, can comment to that. I can comment on that. Thank you. So we are so unsophisticated as a people about our inner world that we need to construct a new vocabulary where we have some powerful distinctions. And now we're really getting into my wheelhouse in terms of my area of expertise of having worked deeply with people for over 40 years in this life and in, and in other timelines as well. So I'm going to make some statements that may seem uh, odd at first, but I will explain them. And that is that there's never, ever, ever been a feeling, a pure emotion, a pure feeling that has ever damaged anyone. It's not, feelings are energy in motion. And uh, as, those, as those emotions, um, they're, they're, they're a product of um, many things, but uh, the, Feelings cannot hurt you. It's, uh, it's just a belief that your ego has constructed that feelings can hurt you. The judgment about your feelings can be painful. The avoidance of your feelings can be painful. The indulgence of your feelings can be painful. But there is a way of being with all ranges of emotion that are not hurtful. And once you develop that capacity to demonstrate that to yourself, then there's a real game changer because then you're not judging yourself for having certain feelings. You're not judging your feelings. And so we need to make a distinction. If we're going to master this domain, we need to make a distinction between an emotion and a belief or a judgment that we have that's correlated with either that emotion or a decision we've made associated with uh, 
an emotionally charged event or um, a judgment we have about people who have those particular emotions, or a lot of times they're limiting beliefs of equating an emotion with a particular behavior that needs to be deconstructed. Like for example, I have had hundreds and hundreds of patients and clients over the years that in their thinking mind, in their ego mind, although they weren't consciously aware of it until we were working with it, they associated anger with physically violent behavior. So we'll use that as an object lesson to make my point. So let's say you're a young child in a family, and let's say that every time your mother or father got really had the emotion of anger, that they would take a glass and throw it against the wall, or they would hit somebody, or they would yell and scream and say terrible things about the person. Well, when you're a little kid, you don't have the cognitive capacity to say, well, okay, well, this person's having anger and they're uh, they don't know how to be with their anger, so it's coming out in, in these violent ways of behaving, but that's just one way of dealing with anger. I know that there are a lot of other ways. That's not what goes on for a child. And so what will happen is the child will subconsciously connect the emotion of anger with um, some form of abuse, some form of physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, etc., etc., etc. And then the natural goodness of the child is going to say, well, you know, I know that's not right. I know that type of violence uh, is not right. And therefore, anger is not right. And therefore, people who have anger are not right. But I know that I have anger, so I must not be right. So I'm going to cover it up and try to pretend I'm not angry so that I can be right. Well, that little vignette that I just described, imagine multiplying that thousands and thousands and thousands of times during the first few years of your life. And you have a situation where you, as a, as a, as a human being, as a spiritual being having a human experience, now you're, you're tied in knots because now you have all these limiting beliefs that you don't know that you have. And now you're developing uh, ways of presenting yourself to yourself and to the world where you're trying to be a good person as opposed to be a bad, angry person. And now anger is bad. And so now, you know, so anyway, that's an example of how we unwittingly estrange ourselves from ourselves, the way we develop dysfunctional relationships with our emotions. And most people, unless they have the blessing of meeting a person who is awake to all of that, chances are that by the time they get into their mid-20s or so, their, their way that they've organized their personality structure in their life is pretty well set, and their behavior and their emotional range and their thinking range and their action range and their joy range becomes pretty predictable which is exactly what the powers that be want to have happen. And so that is what is happening. And so um, this gives you an insight, Arne, into some of my work that is more ontological and psychologically based. Um, and in a minute, I'll give you a chance to respond to that. But getting back to the bigger question you asked a while back about what I would suggest, we didn't even yet get to what I would recommend to support the physical body, because at least in America here, it is crazy the kind of constant bombardment that our physical bodies are exposed to that's completely unnatural. The genetically modified food situation here is totally out of hand, so that our 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 intestinal tract and digestive tract are under constant stress, leading to constant inflammation. We have the chemtrail situation, we have fluoride, we have 
uh, heavy metal toxicity. We have pesticides everywhere. I, I can't even take my dog anymore to the park because if I take my dog to the park, my dog likes to, especially if there's dew on the grass, my dog likes to eat the grass. But the pesticides that are sprayed here everywhere are so terrible that if I do that, um, the day after and the day after, my dog is going to get sick and is going to have trouble controlling her bladder. So at least here in America, we are under constant assault of our physical body and our brains, again, which is more by design of the powers that be. And of course, in America, we get hit really hard because if you were wanting to um, control the world, you would want to control the United States. And so, the, you know, that's a whole big other conversation. But uh, there is so much we can do. There's so much I can do with my patients to help them also on this area of the physical body in terms of safely and powerfully detoxifying, making sure that they do get the nutrients that are missing from the soil these days. Uh, there is so much going on in the area of quantum medicine that we don't have time to get into in detail today. That's part of what I do with people. So I, I did want to round out that answer to the larger question, but uh, I think that example that I gave of anger and the little child and what we do to ourselves and how that's correlated with losing the natural capacity to feel and to know that we are safe with all of our feelings uh, and that it's safe for us to be aware of the energetics of our body again and that it's safe to, um, to feel all of our feelings in a way that makes our joy available as well. I think that's a very powerful little vignette. I agree. I, I, not only that it's a powerful vignette, but, but I love what it, it, it so powerfully points to is the awareness that it's not the feelings, the emotions that are actually problematic. It's the beliefs that we're clinging to behind those feelings and emotions that are in need of healing. And that distinction is so important because there are, certain emo there are certain beliefs that unless you're willing to question them, it's like a lock and a key. Unless you're willing to question certain beliefs, you can't really get into the space where you can then be ready and willing and able to be directly with the emotion again. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I arrive at this place where I'm really of the opinion that we are creating our reality almost entirely with the beliefs that we're holding. We project our reality and experience a reality based upon our beliefs. Then we get hurt. Some part of our reality disturbs us, hurts us, causes us distress. We want the reality to change while we cling to our beliefs fervently, which is completely impossible, dysfunctional. Your reality changes when your beliefs do. Would you agree? From a, I would say from an ego psychology point of view, I would agree with you. I would, because I'm not a pure constructionist. In other words, I don't believe that I'm creating the sun. Yes, I don't, no, of course. Okay, so I'm not a pure constructionist in the sense that I believe that we completely create our reality through our beliefs. However, from the point of view of the ego level of consciousness, I would say that is a true statement. I would say from the ego point of view, the ego is entirely a construction. And, and you can demonstrate that to yourself by letting go of all thought. If you can actually, if you get to the place where you're actually willing to let go of all thinking and thought, there is no ego-based consciousness in that moment. The ego is literally a complex construction of thought. 
And so from that point of view, I would agree with you that we create our reality through the thoughts we believe. And, and, and there's a constellation of thoughts that we believe that, that is ego and, and then determines uh, through our focus on the law of attraction what we experience. And so that becomes a vicious circle that you are caught up in until you see what's going on there. But I'm not, so a, I'm not a pure constructionist. For example, uh, one of the disciplines I like to give to my students is this particular one. I say to them, stop making anything up and notice what's left. I like that a lot. Yes. And so, so I'm not a pure constructionist. However, from the perspective that most people live from on the planet right now, at least here in the United States, which I'm familiar with, which is what I would call ego-based consciousness, I would say from that perspective, I agree with you. It's all constructed. And so for me, then, a, 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 a few crucial steps arise uh, if we are going to uh, heal ourselves, transform ourselves, awaken. The, the one is becoming aware of this very function, that with our beliefs we are harming ourselves, that it's not the feelings or the emotions or very often external events, it's, it's our beliefs about them. Uh, that's the first point for me. The next point is the fact that beliefs can be changed uh, and, and that we can take an active hand in gardening our beliefs so that we transform our belief sphere uh, in, a, in a constant process uh, into something ever more useful, helpful, positive, whole and healingful. That is true. One thing that's important to recognize is that no belief is the truth so that what often happens you know there's an old Taoist saying that goes nothing fails quite like success and yes what can happen is is that what many people do is they discover a limiting belief and then they're willing to let it go and then they immediately seek for a belief that feels better and there's nothing wrong with that approach as long as you are aware that at some point that new belief that feels so good to you now is not going to feel so good to you later. And you're going to go through that same process again. And so it's all just, it's all just stepping stones, isn't it? It's, all, it's, it's a, a process of, of, of evolution rather than arriving at a destination. That is true from the point of view that no belief is the truth. But another thing I wanted to bring out is the fact that I like, for my advanced students, I like to support them in knowing themselves beyond belief. And so very often one of the instructions I will give them, once they have discovered and released a limiting belief, instead of using their thinking mind to create a new belief right away, very often I will suggest that they simply hang out in and as the new space that's been created by the letting go of the old belief, and then just being that space. And what I've discovered is that that space is very intelligent that space has a tremendous holistic kind of wisdom and knowledge and power. And so very often I'll recommend instead of them using their thinking mind, this is for more the advanced student, instead of using their thinking mind to come up immediately with another belief or thought that feels better, and that's a great exercise, especially for beginners, but as you become more rarefied in your understanding and you want to know yourself beyond belief, beyond any belief, this particular advanced instruction 
to simply hang out in and as the space that is created by the letting go of the old belief, that space, although in the beginning it might seem that it has no intelligence, that it's just spacious, if you hang out as that space, there is a natural motion. There is a natural intelligence within that space that will eventually formulate new desires, new thoughts, new ideas. And if you're faithful enough and conscious enough to practice that discipline, you can live your life in a way that is literally beyond belief. David, this is really extremely interesting and, and, and also something I would like to pursue with you a little longer, but we're, um, we've pretty much run out of time for today. So I'd like to suggest that we perhaps um, resume this conversation at a later date and, and go a little deeper. But I want to close with, with one final question. If this was the last interview you were ever going to give, perhaps your life was about to end, perhaps this world was about to end, perhaps you were about to split timelines with your listeners. If there was one last thing that you could share and communicate with us, what would that be? I would say that nothing takes the place of true caring, that Everything that I have been able to be and do and become that has been either a joy to me or a blessing to others has been a product of having the courage to care about what I really care about and to care enough to develop a level of excellence in my particular areas of expertise that I can combine that caring and compassion with a level of excellence that actually is of real service. And that, you know, it, I want it to become cool again, fashionable, desirable, ideal again, for people to be willing and able to have the courage to care about what they care about and to take a stand both personally and publicly for their priorities and their values and to really care about what you care about because my path is a heart-centered path and the mind is a wonderful servant but a terrible master the body is a wonderful servant but a terrible master but the heart is really the heart of the matter and there's no prerequisites in terms of iq or social status or financial status or anything like that to start to really identify what you care about and then to have the courage to care about what you care about. Wow, that's a, you know, you, the fact that you care about what you care about certainly shines through and it's, it's a beautiful wish for the world, a beautiful intention to hold for the world, that that should become fashionable, that that should become something that we all realize that we should be aspiring to. So, David, thank you much. Thank you very much for for the interview. Thank you for the uh, for for the opportunity to be your interviewer on your own show. It's been a a real enlightening pleasure, a real delight to talk to you. Yeah, it feels kind of like uh, this. Doesn't feel like the end to me. This feels like an intermission. Uh, if you're willing, I, I think we definitely need to do at least one more of these. I'd like to. Yes, I'd like to. Okay, so Arne, thank you. I'm going to take it back here. And ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Arne Allingham interviewing yours truly, Dr. David, the cutting edge doc. And uh, I hope that you will listen to this conversation several times because uh, there are a lot of deep, powerful seed ideas here 
that I think are going to take some, some, some watering of that seed for it to germinate fully for many of you. So I'd encourage you to listen to this several times. And uh, you've been listening to Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm Dr. David, your host for Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. And today, you've been listening to Arn Allingham interviewing yours truly. And so, with that, we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Thanks again, Arn. Thank you, David. Bye-bye, everybody. for joining us for today's episode of freeing the body freeing the soul to access all episodes including show notes go to cuttingedgedoc.com that's cuttingedgedoc.com lastly if you love today's show you can support dr david his work and the show by going over to itunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.